friend of mine a few months ago uh, told me or asked me, why is it so important for you as Christians to have Jesus uh, be raised from the dead? I mean, it's quite, um, it's quite spectacular to believe that somebody actually was raised from the dead. That seems like a little much. And um, he gave an alternative suggestion that maybe, uh, maybe he was in some kind of a coma. Again, it's very difficult for people to believe that somebody was actually raised from the dead. So I walked him through what the Bible had to say on the, the, on the events surrounding the resurrection of Jesus. In Mark chapter 15, it says that when Jesus was pinned up on the cross, it says that darkness was over the whole land from the sixth to the ninth hour. This is from noon until three o'clock. Darkness was over the whole land. And Jesus, moments before he died, as he was on the cross, he said these words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, in those moments, people wonder why it is that Jesus said what he did. There's a few different explanations, and one that I would subscribe to would be this. During those moments, as Jesus is crying out to God, Why have you forsaken me? God the Father had to turn his back, because during those moments, the weight of the entire world's sin was put on the back of Jesus, right before his death. The weight of sin was put on him. And then, of course, uh, Jesus died right there. He spoke his last, and he was dead on the cross. Now, Jesus remained on the cross until that evening. And that evening, they were to take down the, uh, the bodies from the cross, and they came to take down Jesus' body, and... Um, Normally what they'll do is they'll break their legs to make sure that they're dead. And this will uh, obviously uh, suffocate them um, uh, in, those, in those last moments if they're not dead yet. But when they came to Jesus, they found that he was already dead. Or at least they thought he was already dead. And so they didn't bother to break his legs. Instead, they pierced his side. And when they pierced his side, water and blood came out, indicating fluid from the heart and lungs. Jesus was clearly dead. A man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea then came to take down the body. Uh, he asked permission from Pilate for this. He took down the body of Jesus. He wrapped him in linen, and then he put him in a tomb which had been hewn out of rock. Now, I actually had the opportunity to see one of these tombs when I was in uh, Jerusalem. Uh, it actually may have been the same tomb as uh, Jesus was buried in. Uh, we don't know this for certain. Um, but many archaeologists are saying it was the actual place. <clears throat> and when we got there, you could go in. It was a small area. Uh, you could stand up, but it was a, a very small room, if you will. But again, it was all hewn out of rock. And we saw the place where somebody would have been laid. Again, would, they would have been laid kind of like on a, on a rock uh, kind of bench, if you will. Again, hewn out of rock. And then as you, would, as you left the tomb to come out... There was this stone that was up on the right-hand side. And it was about this thick, and it was round. So it, it wasn't a, a round stone like this. It was round in circumference. It was round like this, and it was about this thick. And what you would do is, is this stone was in a track, and you could roll this stone down this track. It was on a little bit of an incline. You'd roll it down, and eventually it would rest right over where the place of the entrance to the tomb and so if somebody was in that tomb and you had a stone like this rolled right across it, there was no way you could possibly uh, get out. Then, of course, uh, a few days later, uh, Jesus, of course, was raised from the dead, as we saw 
uh, in our sketch. Jesus was raised, and of course, it was a big celebration. It says that Jesus actually appeared to 500 people at one point. We don't know who those 500 people were, but he also first appeared to the disciples. And he showed them his hands and his feet, and they thought he was a spirit or a ghost. And he said, no, come here, it is I, touch it, touch me, it is I myself. I am not a spirit, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. It clearly was Jesus. And I was saying this to this friend of mine, that these was the, this was the record of, uh, of the account of Jesus in his death and resurrection. But then I told him this, here's why it's so important for us as Christians. In Romans 6.23 it says this, the wages of sin is death. There is only one reason why people die. Only one reason. People die because they sin. Therefore, if you do not sin, you would not die. So if there was a, a chance where somebody could walk this earth and never sin, they would actually still be alive. In fact, that could have been Jesus, who never sinned at all. But the reason why, if the reason why we die, though, is because we've got sin in our life, then if Jesus died and he remained dead, that meant that he had sin in his life. But of course, Jesus did not have sin in his life. And Romans chapter 1, verse 5 says, He was raised according to the spirit of holiness, because there was no sin in his life. So Jesus, therefore, was a substitutional, it was a substitutional death. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says that Jesus came to give his life as a ransom. And we know what a ransom is. Ransom is somebody is held captive, and then payment is demanded in order to set that person free. This is why Jesus' death is called a ransom death. Jesus was the ransom payment for all of us. The penalty of death was on us, and the wrath of God laid on us for the wrongdoing we had done. But Jesus came as a substitutionary death, as a ransom payment for what we deserved, so that we could therefore go off free. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2 says that his death was a substitutionary death. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, it describes really what happened on the cross. It says that he, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God through him. So, God made Jesus Christ, who didn't know any sin, become sin on our behalf. This is on the cross. My God, why have you forsaken me? The sin of the world was laid on him. He became sin on our behalf. And therefore, when he died, he paid the penalty for all that we have done. So that therefore, we can go free. We can be freed from our sin. For all those who become believers in Jesus. Now here's the really cool thing. Just like death had no power over Jesus, death holds no power over us. Now in these days when the coronavirus is uh, spreading news throughout every media outlet, we are consumed with this notion of fear. At least we are told we ought to fear. But we do not fear death. Do we know what those last moments are going to be like? No. And so the uncertainty of that, I get it. We don't know the uncertainty. But we are certain of this, that when we die, we go to be with Jesus. It says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, Since the children are made of flesh and blood, it's logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood in order to rescue them by his death. 
By embracing death, taking it into himself, he destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. But by the resurrection of Jesus, we are no longer fearful of death because we know where we are going. You remember the story of the thief on the cross. In the last minutes before he died, he gave his life over to Jesus Christ. And you remember when he said to Jesus, Can you remember me when you come in your kingdom? For this thief on the cross, he knew Jesus. This wasn't the end for this guy. He knew he was going to be raised again, and he knew he was going to come back in his kingdom. So he said, Jesus, when you come back, can you remember me when you come in your kingdom? And then those words that Jesus said to him, that he says to all of us, upon our death, this day you will be with me in paradise. This day you will be with me in paradise. What's What's it going to be like in heaven? It's going to be incredible scenery. Uh, Streets of gold, that's all going to be there. Uh, We were talking this last week in our Berean group that there's going to be a feast in heaven with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets. That's going to be incredible. But heaven is mainly described as this. We will be with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says, And thus we will be with the Lord forever. When Paul is describing heaven, that's the way he describes it. We will be with Jesus forever in perfect love. This is the promise for all of us as Christians. Jesus was the substitute death for all of us as believers. And as a result, death cannot hold us. And therefore, we will not be fearful of death either. Because the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who will be risen from the dead, that's all of us. Therefore, we have this promise that we will be with the Lord forever. Now, I don't know if I quite gave him the description I just gave you. But after I walked him through why the resurrection of Jesus is so important to us, he got it and he understood it. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.